and welcome to episode 133 of the Game Pit. I'm Sean, and unfortunately Ronan is not here, because poor little sausage is stuck at home, or was stuck at home for the UK Games Expo, with a bad back and pilled up to the eyeballs and just speaking nonsense. So nothing changed there, but I have... With me, an able replacement. Many would say more than able. We have Natalie. Hello, everyone. I'm back. Yeah, taking over the place. We've, we've already had one request for you and Eleanor to do a show on your own. Well, I'm not saying we'd improve the quality. Well, no, that's exactly what I'm saying. And I can't even argue. I really can't, because you, you absolutely would. Can you improve on nothing? Yes, obviously. So you're not really setting the bar that higher. Why do that doesn't feel like a compliment to me coming from you in that way? Uh, compliments for you, negative for me. <laughs> you know, don't overwhelm me with all of this good feeling, will you? Well, I'll try not to. Anyway, anyway, we digress. This, this will be not not the last time. I don't think. <laughs> Well, if our previous podcast... We're doing it now, we're literally... Oh my God, digression in the digression. Get on with it. We're literally talking about a tangent while going on a tangent. Can you just get on with it then, please? I blame you. Carry on. Can I say tangent? Go. Go, tangent. Anyway, why are we here? We have been to the UK Games Expo and spoilers, we've had a lovely time yet again and we just want to talk you through a little bit about it. So we're going to start off by telling you a bit about the expo itself, what we saw, who we saw, some of the awards that have were given out during the expo, we'll talk a bit about them some of the shows we saw, and yeah, generally, how nice a time we've had. Then we will go on to more specifics, and we'll talk about some of the games that we've actually played during the Expo, or games that we got at the Expo and then played at home. These won't be massively detailed reviews, because some of them we've only played once or twice, so they'll be just overviews, our general thoughts to, to begin with, and there is a very strong favourite among those games in the in in the Coppage Rice household. Oh, isn't there, Just? But I'm not going to give it away. Spoilers. Spoilers. Okay, so we're going to start off by just reminding everyone that we are proud members of the Dice Tower Network. Go there and to the Dice Tower itself for gaming goodness galore. And don't forget our YouTube channel where we do our pit stop videos. Been a bit dry lately because of Ronan's bad back because he is the driving force behind our pit stops. But he's getting better and they'll be up and running again soon. So let's start off, Natalie. I'm going to give you some facts and some figures. Are I you ready? I know you like a fact and a figure. I do like a fact and a figure. Bated breath over here. Right. Let's go. So the attendance unique for the UKGE this year was 25,704. Nice. And the total attendance was 45,097. I think they said that's up about 16% on last year. So that would, until Origins produce their figures again this year, Origins and uh, UKG sort of flip-flop in terms of who's the third and fourth biggest in uh, in the world is in America. Come on, (laughs) UKGE. So normally the UKGE says, here's our figures, we are now the third best in the world, or the third biggest in the world. And then Origins go, no, uh, uh, no, you're not, here's our figures. So that's what usually happens. 
Well, they've got a fair amount more population to join. They do, they do. They also have a lot more big cons, but... Anyway, carry on. So, I wanted to just quickly go through the award winners, Natalie. And uh, just talk to you about, generally, what what they are and what your thoughts on them are. Now, the first one... So, we're going to talk about the award winners for... That the UKG have given out, the UK Games of Expo have given out, and then obviously the People's Choice come into this as well. But for the abstract, it was unanimous. It was Azul. It's hard to argue with that. It is hard to argue with it if Azul hadn't come out two years ago. And that's how good it is. It, it continues to be the best game in this year, <laughs> every year, and ten years ago. That's how good it so, is. So you, what you're saying is that from from now until 2029, Azul is going to be the best abstract I'm, game. I'm going further. It's going to be from now until the end of time. But should, should it make way now that it's won its award for other games? Is it the best game? Then yes. Then okay, no. Well it then, should just... You should All just right, well do Award winning needs to completely change everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> because that's not the way most people do it. But fair enough, okay. Is it not? Is it? Have they not won for the expansion? Not the expansion? The no, one? no, no. This is the, the base, the first yeah. Azul game. Not even the stained glass of Sintra. There we go. This no. is why we keep you along. It just came to me now. <laughs> it's the only thing I remember I was in this whole not episode. Gonna, I was literally not going to say Sintra. I was going to say something that I can't say on a family podcast. Anyway. I always want to say Sinatra. Come fly with me. <laughs> See, you're digressing again. I am. Okay, so yeah, Azul was out two years ago. It is still a good game. Continue. So then we move on to the kids. This isn't family, this is kids. And two games I don't really know much about. It's Zombie Kids Evolution and Who Did It. I think Who Did It comes from Blue Orange or... I could be I could be completely wrong. I'm going to say Blue Orange. If it isn't, I apologise. I put it in the footnotes. But um, and it that looks quite interesting. Looks like a kind of a whodunit sort of what well, a kids level. Zombie Kids Evolution. No idea. Didn't see it at the show. No. Family Ticket to Ride New York, mm-hmm. which was absolutely everywhere at the it show. Was to everywhere. be fair, Ticket to Ride London actually debuted at the show. We didn't get to play it and was trying to find it to pick up to buy it. And it sold out very early on the Saturday. Very early on the Saturday. So that was a massive hit at the show. And I am expect given that it was in England, I'm sure that's that's part of the reason. I'm a Londoner, so I am definitely going to be picking Ticket to Ride London up at some stage. See, I would have gone maybe it's because I'm a Londoner. All right, pet, get back in your box. Come on. I've got my pearly king suit on. I know. I really wish you'd wear some underwear with it. It's got to go back to the renter suit. People. It's not, not the same with underwear. You know this. <laughs> right, and Honga. Now, a Honga is a game that myself and Roland previewed going to Essen. It was it was on my Essen list to look at for James. Mm-hmm. And I looked there and I didn't really like the look of it at all. But it's one of the people's choice award. So, obviously, people are playing it, enjoying it. And maybe I shall give it a go now, because maybe I was wrong again, as I normally am. So moving on to miniatures, it was Battlestar Galactica, which I'm sure you're you're very pleased with. I do like a bit. They've of got a Starship Battles system going on, and you can mm. play as all the the famous ships and famous oh. captains. You can be Starbuck. Can I be Starbuck? You can be oh. Starbuck in the game. I've met Starbuck. Yeah, I know you have. She's tiny. Is she tiny? I adore her. Do you adore her? I met her. Okay. Oh, and I met Gaius Baltar. He's he, fantastic. He's good. He's good. He's really funny. Look, good job we we didn't go on any tangents on this. No, carry on. And 
The People's Choice went to Rebels and Patriots, which is a historical miniatures war game. Board games themselves. American style went to... The main award went to Forbidden Sky, which I've heard mixed reviews on. Even people who are fans of Forbidden Island and Forbidden Desert, which we are, mm-hmm. um, are saying that mm, it's not it's not as good as those two, and it's it's kind of got mixed reviews. But the People's Choice went to, uh, in my opinion, a fantastic game. Can I say it? Go for it. Chronicles of Crime. Yeah, we do like a bit of Chronicles of Crime. We love a bit of Chronicles of Crime. It is a very it's very a good very game. Very good app driven detective game i really i really enjoy the act of playing that it doesn't feel like i'm battling to play it mm-hmm. I, I, re- I do enjoy we've got to break that out again soon we because do. i really enjoy we'll it and it's always funny case. watching you with your phone up to your face looking around that always amuses me well, normally i'm falling over things as That's i'm doing it why it amuses me greatly but it's is, it is very clever it's very although it's linear it feels like it's not it feels like you're, you're in a sandbox almost because you yeah. can go anywhere do anything <laughs> yeah yeah people react to you in different ways when you go to the but anyway we've talked about this many times on the podcast so good choice people for that one maybe not so good for for the main choice um, and so for Euro games in the board games section, we have Cracks of Quedlinburg. Which we played which at we played, Aircon. And I enjoy a lot. I'm, that was good. Better than I thought it would be. It, oh, I really enjoyed but it. Because then I played it with Ronan and Rachel. I'm not going to go too far into it because myself and Ronan are going to review it in our next episode. Okay, so that's code for me to shut up. However, no, no, I will you say, can say what you want. You can say exactly what I you want. really enjoy it. It's very luck-driven um, and I lose at it every single time. But I really enjoy it. I really, really do. Um, and then the People's Choice is also a firm favourite in this household, Architects of the West Kingdom. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, Garpil Games. I'm a big fan of them. I don't think they've them. made a bad game, you know. I wasn't a massive... We weren't massive fans of the first in the North Sea trilogy. Which one was that? Shipwrights. We were, that was just the card one, the wasn't card it? The card one, but, but no, it, we didn't play with the Townsfolk expansion, no. so which allegedly makes it a lot better. Um, but yeah, I think I think it's just, they're a very strong company and very... Very strong games come out of there. Mm. And Architects is is another one along yeah. that way. That was reviewed. Oh, yeah, we've reviewed that one. Yeah. And Strategic has gone to Root. All in, everyone voted for Root. Ronan and Chris and Puria reviewed Root in the last episode. They were all pretty big fans of it. There are a few flaws here and there with the the ever-changing rule sets, etc., and they, but they just want basically to them to leave it alone so that they can discover the games and by themselves and and to stop trying to fix things is what the general uh, word was coming out of that review. But I think they're all big fans. So we go on to card games. No, <laughs> I'm not happy. I know. Well, I, I don't. I I genuinely don't understand how this is won. Go on. It is, but it's it's a Marmite game. Some people think it is the best thing that has ever happened to the board or card gaming world. Some people, like me, think it's an absolute farce. It's the mind, which isn't a game. It's not a game. It's not a game. It's not a game. You can't tell me. You sit down there and you've got a card to play. And there's maybe, let's have a look. So the mind is you've got to play uh, cards in sequence. Everyone's got a hand of cards. It's mixed up. You can't talk. 
You're not supposed to give any signals to anybody. You just can't. You've got to sit there and work out when to play your card. So if you're at number 65, 64 goes on, you've got 67 in your hand. Your choices are play that, play your 67 or wait to see if somebody else plays something. If somebody else plays a card and it's 68, everyone's lost because you've got the 67 and, not, and things aren't in sequence. No way you could possibly. We, we are not psychic. We do not read each other's minds. No matter how much Mystic Meg or all these people would tell you, we can't read people's minds. You are waiting for signals. Whether they're they're given consciously or not, you're waiting for signals. So you're either cheating or you're guessing. There's no other way to play this game. You're cheating or you're guessing. That is not a game. That is just an, an activity. There is a way you can cheat in this game and cheat perfectly. Everyone in their heads count count down from 100, 1 to 100 or 100 to 1, wherever way it goes. And then 1, 1,000, 2, 1,000, play your 3, 4, 1,000, 5, 1,000, play your 5. Like, yeah, you can, you can cheat it. You can and, oh, I don't like this game. It's such a nonsense. I think you probably need to have a lie down. Oh, no, no. I just don't understand this game. I had All to right. have a rant. Okay. Do you need some ibuprofen? When we finally get round to our games of the year, guess what's going on? My, my <laughs> worst game. Worst game of the century. Spoilers, are oh, Come on. Such a farce. Anyway. <laughs> so everyone said the mind, by the looks of it. And then we move on to... St- tr- Oh, strategic. Oh, easy for me to say. <laughs> Given that I'm, uh, one of my job title words is strategic... Say the rest. I'm not saying the rest. Say the rest. I'm not saying the rest. Go on. I'm a strategic cucumber. You are a strategic commander. I'm not. (laughs) There's nothing strategic about me. Carry on. Uh, These poor people are getting Strategic card game. So we've actually played the the first one. We played it and we both enjoyed it. It's ruthless. We did like Pirate card game based on poker hands. I did. I enjoyed that a lot. Yeah, I've, I've considered buying that. Actually, since since we played that, and I think it's a very strong game, and I really enjoyed it. Why haven't we bought it? We buy every um, other game. I can't. I don't know. I, I, I you buy know. every other game under the sun, and this one has passed you by. <laughs> and I've played the next one, but again, it's an older game. That's it, but it's been re-released and re-jazzed up. It's Arboretum. I picked that up to buy it. As it goes. I, I think you'd like it. It's a, a kind of a set collection with a twist and very pretty, pretty trees. Uh, trees is a bit of a theme for us. We've just played Bosk. We liked that. Which we could have actually added to the to the games we've played because Bosk came out in the Games Expo. So why, why don't we talk why about not? it? Why not? Why don't we talk about Bosk Free now? flowing, let's go. So Bosk is a game where I would say it's, it's halfway between photosynthesis which I know you've not played, Natalie. And halfway between Blue Lagoon, which you have played and we love. I adore. So, Bosk, you start off laying your trees on the grid and you've got to try and isolate your tree on the crosshairs of that grid. And the... If you manage to do that, you get more points, and each tree has a number, and you're trying to sort of be the dominant force on the lines or the on the rows or the columns of of those of that grid. Then the second half is you're laying leaves out from your trees, and the leaves have to go in a certain direction depending on which way the wind is blowing on that round. And you're then it's it's area area majority for each of the sections of different terrain that are on the board. And you can go over each other's and you can block people off and very clever, very like Blue Lagoon side of things. So I 
wasn't particularly looking forward to it when when uh, Matthew brought it around to play with us. And even when he was explaining it, I was going, oh my God, uh, that's why I didn't get half the rules because I just switched off. I thought I'm not going to enjoy this. And I tell you what, by the end, I actually did. It was a very interesting game and something I'd definitely play. Very tactical and something I'd definitely play again. I enjoyed it a lot. Yeah? I thought it was really good. And I'm not a massive area control fan. That's not where I'm happy in yeah, my gameplay. You, you won it. I so won. we talked about this. You like games, you win it. There are, you know a game's good <laughs> if I like it and I don't win. <laughs> but the only problem was the colourings. Uh, there was some strange colourings on the, the trees. orange and red was very similar. Yeah, orange and the red was almost identical. I'm having a problem with words Christ. today. It's not It's not great. And even the purple wasn't the easiest to tell apart from the two reddish mm. hues. But it, I th- it was all supposed to be f- from autumn, so I suppose they went with the sort of browny red and the orangey red mm. and the purpley red. <laughs> and the Are you getting bored of saying red yet? Yellow. <laughs> Carry on. So that was the strategic. So, Natalie, do you want to tell us what, what Dice yep, Game won? so for the Dice Game, looks to be the overall winner was Dice Hospital, which good we game. have played. Good game, like that game. Alley Cat Games, very, very good. I like We've it. We've got the nice little... We've got the little ambu- plasticky ambulances. They debuted or or showcased an expansion for it that's coming out later in the year at the expo that add more modular add-ons to oh, the no. game. So we haven't played it in a, in a little while. I'd like well, to break listen, it out again. To, yeah, I think we do need to break it out because we've got the the first expansion mm. which which had stuff, and then party games. It's the crypto, which I've heard very good things about. And was the main winner. And Mackie Stack, which I don't know much about at all, was the People's Choice winner. And last up, Natalie, do you want to tell us what role-playing game won? I can tell you, but I know nothing about it. it Me for- either. It was Forbidden Lands, which sounds, sounds cool. both forbidden and landish. Well, it's all about topography that you can't go near. <laughs> I have many puns for that. Not all of them are suitable for a family podcast. So I, in my wisdom... I've put down some discussion topics for. Well, the I, show. I thought maybe we'd we'd have a chat through there, since you've put them down. No, well, why not? Why not? <laughs> why not? Oh, it um, always makes so makes the work I've put into I, this look like I've done something. Shall I tell you what I really enjoy about UKG? It is the gaming space, and there was a lot more gaming space this year. I which found that is fantastic. I'm not sure how because it seemed like the same areas were taken up with gaming tables but for some reason i don't know if less people were playing games in the halls themselves or what have you we were always able to get to a table no, because they had hall three which is where the tournaments were on some days but other days it was just free play space mm. you could literally just go along and sit down and play a game yeah and i value a con that has that amount of gaming space because you know there's only so much i can walk around and spend money i don't have on things i don't need mm-hmm. i want to be breaking out my new games or yeah. taking something from the library um especially when we've got James with us like yeah, there's only yeah. so much you can drag a six-year-old around to have a look at mm-hmm. like games that don't interest him because they're adult games so it was really nice to go and sit down with him for a while and play games I really really appreciate the expansion of the gaming space and it, it was it was well sort of set out you weren't squeezing between rows and there was enough of it and you know there was there was plenty of space there I thought 
Yeah, and I think it's been one of the big criticisms of things like Essen and the UK Games Expo is that they're almost too trader-heavy and there's not enough places to play those games. Whereas Gen Con, although he's very trader-heavy, the emphasis on Gen Con is to sit down and play Mm. games. I think that's one of the big criticisms of the European ones, uh, apart from Aircon, which which kind of stood apart. Because you go and you play games at Aircon. Now, I felt a lot more at ease with playing games at the UK Games Expo Mm. this year. And I felt a lot more chilled out for it. Yeah. I wasn't constantly just trawling the halls and looking for things and trying to get into demo spaces. And I was able to just take that sort of hour, hour and a half aside, go and sit down, find some likely suspects and play a game. Yeah, I do. Maybe I've been spoiled by aircon because i did enjoy it so much it was like three days of playing games that that's sort of what i look for Mm. now in a con um so i was really pleased to see that it it seemed to be a a a decent expansion of the gaming space versus last year for me yes cool right so the next bit is i want to talk about retailers but i'm also going to bring in even though i've not put them together very handedly Handedly, oh, I really can't talk today. Should we really be doing this? Probably not. Shall I get the six-year-old down to talk? Let's do that. Or maybe the one-year-old. Well, neither of them will shut up, so it'll be an eight-hour podcast. But honestly, we're, we're approaching it. Right, so I'm going to bring in the bring and buy with the retailers. Do uh, Because I think, obviously, they go hand in hand anyway. Now, the retailers, I found the nice variety. There was plenty on show. There was, uh, like, a... a strong family game elements going on in the in the halls there was lots of miniatures on display there was lots of role-playing games accessories so all the things that you you would like to see i thought that the the stalls were being fairly competitive mm-hmm. there was there was always a bargain to be had if you were if you wanted to trawl like things that you can never get near things like games law like games law you you have to sort of almost fight your way to the front mm. of things like games law but some of the smaller traders they you they, picked up some bargains I did pick up some bargains they were doing some some nice prices in the show which brings me especially to the bring and buy I know you. You didn't stay in it long because Mm-mm. it was it was quite intense in there. Lots of people pushing and shoving and, oh. and barging. So Natalie had to get out of there. But the prices are just they just they're just not good enough. You can how many times you go into that to that bring and buy and you just see outrageous prices. I saw something. It was like a second hand copy of something. It was like fifty quid, and you could get it on Amazon for forty five new. It's like, sort yourself mm. out. I can't even remember what it was. And the problem, the problem is, so I think they've got to expand the space that that's in. I know. I have. But I know thoughts. that that has got its own problems behind it, given that there was a lot of smaller games stolen, uh, from what I hear from people, uh, from from the thing. So shame on anyone who goes in and steals somebody's property like that. Uh, there was a lot of things stolen, and it would be harder to sort of monitor and police if they if they were to expand the area. But I think the amount of games that are in there just piled upon each other, and people sort of nudging and bumping and, and hustling you. I think it just it just makes it almost impossible to stay in there for any length of time. 
and very hard to pick out the bargains. And generally, there wasn't a lot of bargains to be had. There was a lot of people coming out and saying, you know what, I've just I've just seen sort of Arkham Horror 3rd Edition, £60 in the bring and buy, £40 in the shop. So it wasn't great, but... I have thoughts. Would you no, like to hear my thoughts? Let's hear, let's hear those thoughts. I think it, it's volunteer rep. They do take their 10% and the volunteers run it. So all, all credit to them. But now it's got to a size where you need some proper organisation. So you either now need to start thinking about taking 12.5% commission and get some proper organisation in there. You know, have, have shelving units have uh, a security system in place make sure that you're being consistent so yeah they wouldn't let you take your bags in but they'll let you take shopping bags in i mean that's mental what's the point of that yeah half of it was a space consideration but the other half of it was trying to minimize that kind of unsavory element which obviously didn't happen so well i think it is getting to the size now where you do need some form of organization as per the games so you do need to have strategic games euro games or even by even alphabetized even by publisher it's now getting to the size where they need to start putting that kind of organization in because mm. but at the same time it's run by volunteers it and... is run but that's why i'm saying do 12 and percent and get a couple of professionals in there that's all i'm saying it's people would still take their stuff to 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 go and sell it and Ooh. then we'll you know, the checking out procedure was quite painful as well. Well, we still got a couple of bits. We managed to get the dwarves and the expansion for mm. 40 quid, Listen, 35 I, quid. I think it's a really good system. I really do. It's a nice way to recycle your games. You get a little bit of pocket money, maybe to spend in the halls, maybe to pay for your petrol to get to there, what have you. I just now think with UKGE getting bigger, bring and buy setup has to change because at some point it the the benefit you get from it is going to be outweighed by the negatives now i won't even go in the bring and buy next year because i just i cannot deal with that amount of chaos and you you know there are so many games there that you know your eyes are just passing over 75 percent of the games i mean there could have been loads there that i wanted to buy i wouldn't know They've got to find a better way of doing it. Maybe maybe having some sort of different racking would, would definitely help, I'm sure. But the volunteers did a great job. I'm not yeah. having a go at the volunteers or anything like that. They work so hard. They work so hard and they're super helpful and they're very understanding and it's not maligning them at all because no, they no. really work their bottom and it's, not, it's not even maligning the UKGE. It's just the fact is that this thing is so popular and it's it's such a good idea and a good thing. So it's just it's just growing and growing, and it's becoming a bit of a, a behemoth, and it's uh, maybe starting to get away with them from them slightly. So, yeah. Anyway, we moved on. We talked about far too much about that, but good good retailer spaces. Bring and buy was good, but just needs that little little tweak to make it better. Live shows. We went to see our friend Matthew in we his did. live show and Dave, and they did this game is broken live show. We, I think, if I'm honest, I went in support of Matthew. Yeah. He was panicking that there'd be nobody there and being an Egypt as always. There was plenty of people there. there I was, was hundreds really pleased of people to see there. how many people showed up. And it, was really cool. it was actually a really enjoyable show, it wasn't was, it? It was, it was, it was, it was good. a really good panel. They had no pun included. Actual Lol and Z Garcia from the Dice Tower 
on the on there a bit of music obviously dave's very musical we found out matthew's very musical and we we have press ganged him have we not we're gonna yeah we're gonna get our little boy a guitar and make matthew teach him <laughs> though to be fair matthew did offer <laughs> matthew offered to mess him so yes so very good show thoroughly enjoyed it it was then followed by the dice tower quiz which you know you didn't stay for yeah. luckily but again, I think what the UKGE has got absolutely spot on on these events. And even up down to a couple of years ago, there were some teething problems. But it's the audio and the visuals. The dice tower we were able to use, like a computer to put up things on the screen. The microphones were excellent throughout. Yeah, they were, you could carry them around the hall, involve the audience. And I think it's just, it looks like a thoroughly professional production at the moment now. I do like the way that UKG have sorted out that separate breakout spaces for those live shows. I think it adds something, I think it adds a little bit of something to the conference to have that opportunity for panels and things like that. Definitely. Like that. And it's a nice space, it's right next to the main hall, hall one uh, that we went to anyway. And yeah, thoroughly enjoyed both the shows and I think I'll probably attend a couple more next year and I enjoyed them so much. So Natalie, we we met some of your friends and this is one of the things that I wanted to talk about. It's it's how the UK Games Expo is sort of getting through to non gamers and people who are not that into the board gaming hobby, but they still they're starting to turn up to these events. Now what you find in Essen is a lot of families go and it's a, it's a big family market, and they're not necessarily into the sort of more strategic side of board gaming, but they just go because it's the thing that's done in in Germany. It's a very families play board games in Germany. Well, I'm finding more and more families turning up to these events, to the the games expo, and sort of opening their eyes to this world. And it was it was meeting your friend who you used to work with and his family that made me think. Yeah, you know what, this guy, three years ago, he he thought the only board games in the world were Monopoly and Cluedo, and all of a sudden, his kids are into minis, they're into mini role-playing games, they're playing board games, they're asking us for recommendations, mm. I, I think, and I think you see a lot of that around the halls, and that's one of the things that this year, I was my eyes were open to. I love it, I I. I mean, I've worked with him for a few years and we just got chatting and I sort of mentioned I played board games and it was a couple of years ago and I said, well, why don't you come to UKGE? And that was it. And he comes and I think they, they come one day a year and next year they're going to come for the entire weekend. Yeah. And they love like Ticket to Ride and their boys are starting to get into RPG. But I think what UKG have done really well is pitch at that family level. So up that one side of Hall 1, up the right-hand side of Hall 1, is just family. Mm. It's, you've got the whole Ticket to Ride booth there. Like it's you know There are other games, but it's mainly Ticket to Ride. And you've got the family area, and you've got Haber all up that one side, taking up a good chunk of Hall 1, which mm-hmm. is not a small hall. And, you know, as you walk in through the doors, you have the miniature painting, which draws the kids in immediately. Mm-hmm. Um, even like Warhammer had their own separate kids bit right at the back that I took James to. Yeah. So I think what UKG have done is fantastic in keep managing to keep both yeah. both audiences. They've got that family audience, but then they've got the more sort of the adult audience that come and, you know, they know their board games. Yeah. 
I do love yeah, it. But well, the problem was in this country, I think, until recently, is that the onus was down to the parents of the, of the children to actually get them involved and mm-hmm. uh, the, the, either they pressure them into it or the kids wouldn't be that bothered about it being sports being um, the main thing for kids to get involved in and and obviously some people don't have kids and then that, that's, that, that generation kind of gets cut off Whether, as I mentioned before as the Germans do it they is a family it's a family thing you it's one of the main things you would do at home when you want to spend some family time and break out a board game. And that sort of gently encourages the mm. children to come along and they go to these big events like Essen and they say, oh, there's, there's more to this world than I thought. But I didn't think we were doing that very well until the last couple of years in the in, with the UK Games Expo starting to really push the family side of things. And I think this year it's it really flourished. I think last year was good, but this year was excellent. This year was this year was fantastic. I thought I took you. I was with James, um, for a good while. You were off doing things. I was off gallivanting. I was put putting the games into the bring and buy that we brought. Oh yeah, yeah. So yeah, I, I was with James. So for I was a gone good for few, six hours. Yeah. <laughs> I was with James for a good few hours. And we had a fantastic time walking around the halls, sitting down, and there was plenty to keep his engagement. Oh, should we go and have a look at this mummy? Oh, look at that! I want to go and see that. Yeah. Um, whereas in previous years, there hasn't really been that much. Yeah, and he even found a game on his own that he, he was interested in and ended up buying played you like a Played sucker. me like a fool to buy it, half go halvesies with him. Um, but we'll talk about that later. That's yep. part of our, uh, of our games roundup. Now last, we're going to finish on a sour note, but I think that um, sour note turns into I a fairly it's... positive note. So... And the reason I'm talking about this, everyone has talked about it, and if you're at the Games Expo, or even if you weren't, you probably already know about it. It's not news anymore, but I feel very strongly about it. I feel very strongly about the kind of person that does the thing I'm about to talk about. So I just wanted to bring it up briefly before we go on to the games. Now, during the Expo, there was a role-playing game, and during the role-playing game, the Games Master or Dungeon Master, decided to come up with some very, very, uh, what would, I don't want to say controversial, because it would be more than controversial, just despicable yeah. events that happened in, in this game, and very distasteful events. And though I think the most important thing to note is that he did it without consent. Yes. He didn't make it clear that this was going to be part of his game. And it was sprung upon he the game. He did it for the shock value, and he was quite value. happy about the shock value when he did get the response from the people who were not happy um, about it at all. And yeah, so there was a, there was a lady involved, and her, she'd taken her brother for his first role playing experience, and her brother didn't talk to her after because he just felt like that that was the experience that she was used to, and he was upset with her for expo- exposing him to that sort of material. And she had to explain that no, that's not normal, and it isn't normal in our in our community. And people like that need to be banned, and rightly so. And very quickly, the UK Games Expo identified the person and have has have banned them for the foreseeable future, hopefully for life. And that person hopefully will not play any further part in the UK Games Expo again. And and good riddance to them. And hopefully. 
we don't have any more negative press. It even made the BBC website, Natalie. It did. And we don't need that sort of negative press coming into the hobby. And from outsiders looking in, probably already have a negative sort mm. of view of people in, in sort of these sort of geek hobbies, as they mm. would refer them refer to them as. They don't need people like that just strengthening their, their biases. So to so just touch on a couple of things, I think after UKGE were made aware of the situation, they acted commendably quickly, they acted appropriately, and they didn't they didn't question anything. They just said, no, this is it, he's done, which was absolutely fantastic. However, I think there are still lessons to be learned for UKGE from this particular scenario. The woman in question had tried to get hold of someone and hadn't been successful the nature of the material that had been sprung on is very distressing I I don't want to go into it too much Uh, it was just very distressing and I could see how some people would not necessarily be thinking in a very logical frame of mind being exposed to that it could very well be triggering for them and I think that perhaps there needs to as it grows bigger and as UKGE gets bigger, there needs to be a more clear approach to who to go to to raise this. Because if you go to a random volunteer on the info desk, there is no guarantee they're going to be able to do anything. And so I think with something of this nature regarding something that's overly violent or sexual violence or something that is occurring within the game without consent that is distasteful and triggering there needs to be a separate way of lodging complaints against the Games Master or the games in general. But I want to end by saying that after UKG did find out, I was heartened by how quickly they responded. That has not necessarily been the case in any kind of typical nerd conventions before. I've certainly been a part of conventions where something like this would not have been taken as seriously as UKGE did, and that is commendable from top to bottom for them, as far as I'm concerned. It makes me feel, as a woman, it makes me feel safer at their conventions, knowing that if something's going to happen to me, they will. if they find out about it, they're going to act in an appropriate fashion. Yeah, I take a point upon the reporting process. I think they are looking at that. But 100%, well done, UK Games Expo, for dealing with that matter efficiently and appropriately. Absolutely. Okay, so... We played some games. So, yeah, let's move on to actual some games that we played. So yes, we actually played games at a gaming expo. Amazing. So what did we play first? We went to the games library. We did well, go you to, went the to the games I library. I went to the games library. Got a passport and made your merry way inside and I picked did. up. I picked up Sheep Race by Genos Games and the designer is Roberto Mancino. It's two to six players. You are attending sheep trials and you are betting on three sheep. Your opposing players know one of the sheep that you're betting on, but they don't know the other two. So you can keep that secret and it's about manipulating which sheep finishes or if indeed any of them finish. Because you can uh, you can exhaust sheep so that they don't finish and you do that by taking their breath away from them. So it's a, it's a fine line between getting them to go quicker, but also making sure they've got enough puff left to finish the game. Yeah, and obviously other people who are, don't want that sheep to win are trying to, to expend their energy as quickly as possible so 
that they basically just can't can't plod on. Mm-hmm. And I think it it was quite clever with the cubes and having the different colour cubes and like uh, if you spend two blues would make a sheep go yay fast or one white would be the white was the wild card wasn't it and yeah. the, the reds tended to make things go a little bit quicker but there were fewer of them on the sheep and different sheep had different sort of activation points so some might have two blue cubes might move it four Another one might have two blue cubes move it six, but they get fewer cubes. And it's all about keeping your sheep in puff and, and plodding along and trying to expend everyone else's sheep as quickly as possible. Now, where we're setting this up, our good friends Nathan and Terry, who've been on the show, came along with their beautiful little boys, Henry and Arthur, and they joined in. Uh, so we made it a six-player. And for me, Natalie... Six, I'm not, not blaming Nathan and Terry, we were delighted to see them. But for me, six players was, was just too much. We ended up playing one race out of three. You're supposed to have two semifinals and then a final. And that, that one race really dragged because there were so many people playing it and so many people invested and doing things. I th- we, we finished on that one race. Yeah. You know, I don't think anyone was really interested in carrying on into a into a second and third. Had it been just myself, you and James, I think we may have gone into the second one, but I don't think there was enough interest there for us to go, no. yeah, we need this game in our life. No, I, I, you know, I think it was a perfectly acceptable one to try. I think that's what's the beauty about going to um, places like this with board game libraries is you can pick up a game. Yeah. And, and try it and see, well, is it for us? I don't think this particular always... one was for us. Yeah. But it was inoffensive, and I wouldn't chuck it at your head if you wanted me to play it again. Okay, that's good to know, because you often do things. I do. I'm brutal that way. You are quite brutal. I always say, like, oh yeah, I I love the different things that these games teach to James. And this one did teach him something different, but I'm not sure if I want him to know about gambling just yet. Yeah. Yeah, let's keep that until he reaches 10, right? And manipulating that gamble as well. So... Yeah, uh, it was it was something new for James to think about for sure, and nice looking game, little little plastic sheep traipsing along, and they're quite funny to look at. And trying to get your sheep to go ahead and fu- and have it being funny when somebody nobbles you mm. and your sheep collapses and falls over, just short of the finish line, very funny, but not quite enough there for for us. But a good start to to the expert now. Surely take it away. I'm taking away so. As we've talked about in the first half, James... Played you. Like a fiddle. Like a fiddle. <laughs> he it did. was a masterclass. He told me about this great game he played and he, he had to buy it and, oh, it was the best game, Daddy, and you must play this game. And then when it came round to actually buying the game, they're like, oh, but Daddy, if I buy that... I've only got I, £10 I only have £10 left. Pounds left. So Muggins, which he knew was going to happen. Of course Muggins he like, knew it. All right, well, I'll give you half. Oh, Daddy, you're so good to me. So, <laughs> and off we trade. <laughs> and off we go. We buy the game. It was Echidna Shuffle by Watsell Pogue. Watsell Pogue Games and designed by Chris Gould. Now, Echidna Shuffle. You looked up what an Echidna is, didn't you? It's a member of, um, I think it's a member of the Anteater family. And it is one of the only mammals that lay eggs. There we go. Right. 
So now we know what an echidna is. Let's talk about echidna shark. <laughs> so you don't get any life echidna. Essentially in this game, we're bugs and we're trying to get our bugs home, aren't we? Yeah. And the bugs travel on the backs of the echidnas and the echidnas all travel in a certain direction. So there's a, a, a map on the t- on the board and it's full of arrows. So if an echidna's on a certain space on the map, they can only go one or two separate ways in, in the more in the more advanced map it might be two or three but in certainly in the the basic map it's usually one direction they can go you've just got to move echidnas out of the way so that you can move your echidna with your bug to one of your tree stumps which has been placed by the other players it sounds very basic and it is the rule set is incredibly basic but there's a lot of screwage in this game for a kid's game for a kid's game it is nasty it is you can tuck <laughs> This is the kind of game I, I'd imagine at one o'clock a, a lobster con, someone just bringing out, everyone half cut, absolutely roaring between laughter and fury yeah. at each other because it, you just completely stitch each you, other up. You chucking a punch so, at Rona. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's normal, night, But you you clear the path for yourself. So what, what you do is you roll a die and this die goes from two to seven rather than one to six. And depending on what you get, the flip side... It will add up to nine, so you will always get nine moves, but it's over how that goes. is over two goes, but it's how that's split. So if you roll a seven, your next go you know is going to be a two. If you roll a five, you know your next go is going to be a four, etc. You can work out the maths. So you, you you can plan ahead of how you're going to get to things, but obviously there's going to be other players going in between that. So you may clear a path for yourself to get your echidna over to the to the trunk of your of your colour so you can take it off, put the insect on it, and you've got one of your three to victory. But obviously other players are gonna go, you know what? I can't really get to where I wanna be, so let me just throw some echidnas or move your echidna around the other way so that you're the complete opposite way yes. and you've got to go all around the board. Yes. Sure name. Actually took offence at this the first time I played. To... Oh. As I explained to you, there's no other way you can play it. I'm not going to leave you there with the winning move. Like, let's not touch that because Mummy's about to win. No, let's move that and make make sure that Mummy's got 14 moves before she can get back to that tree. Stump. And then you did it to your six-year-old son who won every game. Oh no, I didn't know. I won the last game. You won the last game. I did stitch him up. It was a, it was not a proud that was, moment. No, that wasn't a proud moment for you. You really was, did stitch him. I up did for stitch that him one. up. It wasn't a proud moment, but it was excellent parenting. <laughs> Was it he the learned, life is going to stop you sometimes? It was a son. life lesson. Sometimes those who you trust most are going <laughs> to stitch you up. It's the, it's the, it's the betrayal of <laughs> <laughs> The most begrudging handshake he's ever given in his life. <laughs> but I thoroughly enjoy this game, Natalie. Yeah, I like it. It's it's all right. I'm I not... I love the dickery. I just <laughs> love it. It's it's just so funny because you can see somebody working their brain and like, how am I going to? If I move that one off there, this one round here, I find, then that clears my way for this one. I'll shuffle that one forward and I'll move that to the side and I'm going to have four moves the next turn. I'll be able to get to that tree stump. Uh-uh. No, you won't. Not if I turn you round and send you off the other way. You won't. But there's there's also clever playing it, Natalie. There's times where you can set it up so people have to move your echidna. Yes. Isn't that good? Why am I getting a hairy eyeball again? 
not good. So you can set I, yourself I up. I like it. I like. I think it's. I think it's fun. I think for a kids game, it's got a surprising amount of uh, nastiness. No, not just that. I think there's a there's a lot to think about, especially if you play the advanced board. The advanced board is almost too advanced for me. You know me and root building. I just yeah, I get confused with the advanced board. I think the the basic board is the way forward for James at the moment. Mm. And I think that's where we will stay. Ronan told me off. For, for saying games literate to two last time we, we did our recording. Uh, Apparently I said it 972 times, he counted. So That boy needs to get out more. Yeah, he can't, he's got bad back. So that was that was a kid in a shuffle. Natalie, we went along to our friends, friends. at Pegasus Spiel. We did, and uh, we sat down for a demo and we played Fabulantica, Ooh. which is uh, designed by Marco T- Tubner. Tubner, yes. Tubner. This is a lovely little children's game. I thought I'm um, quite nominated it. for the Kinder Spiel de Jaris. And I can see why. So you've got castles, and in these castles, there are various uh, figures that we are all familiar with within fantasy fiction. So you've got your wizard, and your, your dwarf, and your troll, and your knight, and princess, and uh, your genie. And they're all hiding in these castles. And there are three cards which tells you what the first one is you need to find, and then what the second one is that you need to find. And you're travelling around by spending cards to travel along certain roads or using your uh, flying carpet if you've got that particular card. Yeah, what was that like? I don't know. Did you you ever see the cards were purple with a carpet on them? You should have tried to to use... Oh, Oh, no. No? No. no, Okay. James could tell you. Yeah, because he had 19 of them. <laughs> um, and then you're, you're, it, it's a memory game, but then after you've found one of the things that you're looking for, you have to move it. So it is about kind of keeping an eye on where things are. I quite enjoyed it. I thought it was a nice little game. It played in a decent amount of time. We, play, we played a full game. James certainly seemed to enjoy it. It is, at heart, a simple memory game, but I think there's enough to it to get a few plays out of it. Because you're moving the things around. aspect is... It's not just like Wizardry to the Power of Three, which was also a Pegasus Spieler game, whereas the, everything was stayed in the same spot. Mm. And it was one of the criticisms that I know Ronan and his girls had about it. Well, it was obviously a kid's game, and they were kind of judging older, it on that yeah. older. But towards the end, everyone knew where everything was, mm. and it was just a procession to finish the game. Whereas this one, you are constantly, every time you find something or look at something, you're moving it along to another space and it's all shifting and you've got to keep pay attention to where things are shifting to. Otherwise, it's as, as it turned out for me, who was busy looking around the hall and not paying any attention, it just becomes a, a, a shot in the dark as to <laughs> what? Just go there. I'll go there. You've not found it. Hmm. I'll go there. No, you've not found it. Hmm. I don't know where this is, do I? No, Daddy, you don't. <laughs> so, yeah, it was it was a nice game, and it was something I think just about hits where James is in his mm. uh, in his uh, gaming life and his gaming journey. I think mm. he just hits it nice. I think maybe once he gets to sort of nine, ten, probably a bit too old for mm. it. So, there's definitely a window you want to get in on this one. But we have a second born that we're also hoping to brainwash. (laughs) I mean, educate through games. It's all baby. Absolutely. And you also tell a story. You're supposed to tell a story why you're moving. Yeah, which I like. 
while, you, while you're moving the castle. So if you find the king, then, then you move the king's castle and you say, well, the grumpy old troll came up and the king was so frightened he ran away and he he's was, hiding he in was, the mountains. He's hiding in the mountains. Yeah. And so you do a story for it. And the reason that there's pairs is that they're their friends. Yeah. So like the king might have a, a jester on his card and that's because it's his friend, the jester, and he wants to find him. Friend. Friend. So there you go. So What was up next? That was Fabulantica from Pegasus Spieler. Then we we picked up a copy of Talisman Legendary Tales, again from Pegasus Spieler, designed by Michael Palm and Lucas Zack. And there was a bit... So the backstory is this is obviously a family version of Talisman. Backstory here is it, it had a bit of a backlash from... People who were fans of Talisman, who just thought it was a quicker plane or a slightly lighter version of Talisman. It is not that. It is a very much a family or children's game that just is part of the Talisman license and very vaguely so. So what you do in this game is you've got a little bag of tokens. You set up a modular board on the, on the thing. You read out a story. And you're rolling the dice to move to the different locations on the modular board, trying to find whatever you're trying to find. In the opening mission, you're trying to find uh, flowers or herbs herbs for a potion. And then the story changes and you've got to find fairies. But anyway, I don't want to give too much away. And you're looking for whatever you're looking for. You each have a bag and that bag represents the powers of your character. And you are putting your hand in the bag and pulling out three discs. So if you encounter a monster that needs a sword and a wizard's hat to defeat it, you're putting your hand in, you're trying to defeat it. If you pull out two swords and or something else, then you won't defeat it. If you do pull out a sword and a wizard's hat, then you defeat that monster. You dip into a treasure bag, which gives you more discs that you add to your bag. But the thing is, you keep your discs out until such time you decide to put them all back. There's also time in there. Time, uh, if you pull out a time marker, then that advances the time of the mission on, and if the time runs out, then you lose the game, effectively. Very simple, very simple story. It's just a few lines of dialogue, and then you're, you're drawing out the bag, and I think it's a good introduction to adventure games, maybe even if you really stretch it, role-playing games, because if the child enjoys the story side and the exploration side, I think it's a very good introduction to, to that. And I think we enjoyed it. And we even did... That's, I know I'm not letting you speak here. No. Nah. We even did have one of James' friends round who doesn't really play that many games. The odd sort of... Monopoly, that kind of thing, not even. And she really liked it. She did. She enjoyed it a lot, didn't she? She had a good time. What I liked about it is actually, as demonstrated by James's friend coming around and playing it, it is one of those that is quite easy to pick up and play. Yeah. So you don't necessarily need to know a lot about games to be playing it. I think it's a perfect entry-level family game. Yeah, the adult can quarterback in a good way. Yeah, you can. And it's good to sort of, Again, we talk about this a lot because we do look at games through the eyes of our son and what does it teach our son. And I think in this particular one, it's about playing as a team because, you know, when you get your rewards, you can choose to hand them over. Mm-hmm. It's about what's the best choice to further to further along without incurring too many penalties so we lose. 
and it's starting to think strategically and tactically about things. It's, it's, fair, it's a very, very, very basic bag builder because if you pull out that, that time token or one of your time tokens that advances the time, then you probably you want to leave that out of your bag as long as possible. But if you haven't pulled it out, it's whether you put everything back to minimise the chance of pulling it out. Because eventually, if you just empty your bag, it, it's going to come out. But if you can, at any stage before you start, you go put all your tokens back into the bag. So, and obviously, you're building the bag by taking tokens, adding to mute, and it's looking around. And this is what we've got James doing, saying, right, okay. So the treasure I've picked up is a double sword. I've got lots of swords, mummy and daddy. Who which of you two has the least swords? And I'll give you this, and then you'll be strong at swords. So two of us will be strong with swords. And it's, it's that sort side of things he's, he's looking at. And yeah, I again, I don't think... I think we need to play through those missions fairly quickly because I think he will eventually tire of it and it'll, it'll pass him by. But again, Thomas coming through, perfect game mm. when Thomas is about three or four. And we can sort of quarterback him through a game mm. like that. And he feels like he's playing. And yeah, perfect family experience, I think. I do like this because it's it's different from kind of the other games that we've played with James. And it is more of an adult game. And he is now getting to that age where he wants to be playing the adult games. You know, he does. He kind of does want to play Stone Age and things like that. And so when you bring this out, which is different from all of his other children games, it's it's a, it's a kind of a step up for him. And he enjoys that as- mm-hmm. aspect of it. Like he feels like he's he he knows himself is progressing. Um, I like it. I like. I, I'm happy to play it. Yeah, I think. It's, I think it's a nice little it's, it's family a, game. It's a, a, it was a good acquisition for us, definitely. So uh, we seem to spend a lot of time on the on the Pegasus Spiel stand, Natalie. We did. We did, and we, even when we weren't picking up things direct from the stand, we we seemed to come home with some. So this is number three or four games from Pegasus <laughs> Um This is Adventure Island, again, by uh, Michael Palm and Lucas Sack. And it is, I'm going to shorthand this and say it's a very light version of Robinson Crusoe. 100%, yeah. <laughs> That's exactly what it is, exactly pitched That's at That's exactly it. what it does on the table. Um, you have your cards, you have scenario. I think there's five scenarios in the base game. Um, you are stranded on a desert island. You you have objectives to get through for the various adventures. The first one being you've got to find shelter and build a fire. Um, it's basically kind of a deck builder. You're, you're, you're turning over cards, you're reacting to the things on the cards, you're rolling dice, you're trying to gather wood, you're trying to build a shelter. We didn't do either of those things and we lost miserably. Because we, we played it twice. And the first time we kind of we didn't get the timing of the no. game correctly at all. It, we didn't realise the urgency because in Robinson Crusoe, yeah, there is a bit of urgency, and you are up against time, but you do also feel like you've got a chance to go and explore and go and explore. And does sometimes yield you nice things, and you won't experience the game without exploring. In this one, I think you've got to focus yeah. right down to what you're going for. So if you need to start a fire, then you need to go and find wood. And you need to find wood quickly. We were messing around with flotsam and jetsam yeah. and faffing around and wandering off and gathering yeah. gathering food and stuff like that. Yeah, food's great, but it's not going to win us the game. And this one, you have to go, right, okay, search, 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 find a, find a forest yeah. or a jungle and get because that wood. Because the, the time-limiting factor on this game is those hazards cards. Yeah. And for a two-player game, you've only got... 
was it eight or ten hazard cards? I think it's eight. eight. So you get five goes. So you goes. get five goes. So and you've got done. five rounds. Yeah. You have two actions each in a round. So you've got ten actions to get your stuff done. Yeah, I don't think we appreciated that. No. Um, the second game we appreciated it, but we still failed miserably. So we still failed. Uh, but, uh, we, <laughs> but at we, least we, we know got closer. Why. <laughs> we were very close to, to to doing it, and I think the next time we will be a bit better. Yeah. And I think that's where this game sits for me. I want to play it a bit more. I'm not 100% sold by it yet, but I think it is a very, very quick, streamlined version of Robertson Crusoe, and which isn't a bad thing. I think for me it's a very good thing because I'm not wild about Robinson Crusoe. Oh, I love Robinson Crusoe apart from the rule book. Every time I go back to it, I just can't learn it, so I just don't bother. <laughs> <laughs> so I, end, I think I ended up selling it because Ronan's got a copy and he's sort of au fait with the rules. So if I was going to go and play it, I'd ask Ronan to teach me anyway. <laughs> so I might as well play his copy. So it didn't make any sense for me to keep hold of Robinson Crusoe, but as a game, I absolutely love it. I think it's a fantastic game, and this gives me a taste of Robinson Crusoe. So, and I'm interested to, to I want to find beat. out more. Yeah, try and get into the game a bit more and maybe you do get more time to solve things yeah. a bit later on. Maybe this first one is just like, boom. Quick as possible. Get, get because there, the decks are all the set up, yeah. right? So in this particular deck, you've got those eight hazard cards and it's the hazard cards that are the time limiting factor, as I said. So maybe as we work through, you get more hazard cards and it certainly looks that way from the separate packs that were in. Yep. That that was sealed off. So, yeah, I'm, I'm interested to play this some more. So that was Adventure Island. Uh, next one isn't a <laughs> Pegasus Spear game. <gasps> did we find games that weren't Pegasus Spear? Well, apparently we did. Uh, we went over to Board and Dice and met up with uh, the lovely Philippe there, and he was very keen to show us a couple of things. And one of those things was Dust in the Wings, designed by Dennis Kipps. Christian Crutchen and Jean-Claude Pellin, and obviously from Borden Dice. It is a Mancala game where you have a grid, and that grid is full of different colour butterflies. And along the side, you have cards that depict a certain amount and colours of those butterflies. So you might have on one card a yellow and two blues. You might have on another card three red. You might have another card a yellow and a blue. And you're trying to take the butterflies from each of the squares on this on the grid of the board. And in Mancala style, you're dropping them one by one as you move around the board. And you're trying to get one of the grids to match the same colours of butterfly that are on the cards. And then you get to take the card and there's uh, molecules of dust, uh, which are represented by little crystals, and you get you keep, keep the crystal and that's your point scoring. Also on the side of the board are different scoring. So one will say if you manage to have four spaces in a row, all with the exact same number of butterflies in them, or if you manage to have a, a square four space, with exactly five butterflies in it, etc. So it's another way of scoring and getting points into your hand. A tactical puzzle game blew my mind a little bit, but I I, I thoroughly enjoyed it, Natalie. And I know you were sniffing at buying it. I could I see. Was. I could see it in I your was. eyes. I was very very close to buying it, um, but I I kind of put myself on a budget for that weekend, so I didn't. Which is not to say that I don't... I think it may very well make it into this house because I, I really enjoy those abstracty puzzle kind of games. It 
it, it satisfies something in me and I really I really liked the look of that I yeah I, going into it I was a bit hmm, I'm not the biggest Mancala fan other games like Five Tribes and what have you haven't really done it for me but this I think the simplicity of this one and the fact that it's just a beautiful game to look at the the artwork is is stunning and yeah just just trying to work out how you can get yourself to one of those reward cards and not set up somebody for one of the bigger points and I think it's going to be quite quite a quick game as well, I don't think it's going to be like an it, hour and yeah, a half. Yeah, it whisks, it whisks through whisk fairly quickly. Through. But there is a slight timer with the cards. They don't just sit there forever. Every round, they get an extra dust molecule on them. And if they get up to three dust molecules, they're gone. They're out of there. So you've got to... So if you're building up to get to get a card, mm. you've got to do it fairly quickly. Otherwise, it's just going to disappear on you or somebody else will nab it. But yeah, definitely a, a another strong game for board and dice who have uh, always been a company that impressed myself and Ronan, taken over NSKN now. And uh-huh. so, yeah, they've taken over that. NSKN. They had something out that I think is, is coming out in Gen Con, which I like. The yes, look. they Sierra, Sierra West. West. Yeah, I like right, so Ronan and Poria had a game of Sierra West in Essen. I want to say Essen. Yeah, it was Essen. It Essen, wasn't it? And they played the initial prototype. But what they have added now, and what the game's all about, is about modular games. Mm-hmm. And it's not just not modular in terms of you add this and it. They are different games in the package. So if you play with this module, it's a different game to module one. And if you play with module three, it's a different game to module two and module one. So what he wanted to do, what Philip wanted to do, was show us the different modules and unfortunately, they only had one table with the, with the game set up. And, and, uh, people... I mean, we know I'm going to buy it anyway. So. <laughs> Ronan and Puria were very, very complimentary of it. And they said it's a, it's a really good game in the making. I know the, the guys from the Polyhedron Collider, they're big fans of it and they're, they're excited about it coming out. So I think it's going to be a massive hit for Board and Dice. And I think it'll probably end up in our, in our collection. I think there's like a, a fairly good 100% chance <laughs> so of that. So hopefully we'll catch up with Philippe and we will get to play some of those modules in Essen when I think it's been released in Gen Con. Yeah, it is. And they should have it out in Essen for us to, to have a little play test with them. So that was Dust in the Wings. Another one that we, we brought home, which isn't Pegasus Spielie again, which, you know, there surprising, you was Roll for Adventure. Nice, yeah. Um, so you're rolling for adventure. You are taking the. And this is by our good friend Matthew Dunstan, by the oh. way, and Brett J. Gilbert. Sorry, you see, I'm not a professional. The only the only designer on here that we actually know is the one you forget to say. Do we know them? Yeah, I know we know Matt Dunstan. Yes, I don't. I'm sure you've met him. Maybe he does. He sometimes carries Chris Marling. Oh, fair place. Good man, good man. Um, sorry, it's published by Cosmos. See, I'm not a professional podcaster, which is why I neglected all of that information in the yeah. first instance. In any case, in Roll for Adventure, it is a dice rolling game. You are your standard paladin or warrior or wizard, and you are trying to project the four lands of the world by uh, dice manipulation and closing portals, opening portals, battling demons. We played the first game. 
you're completing tasks. Yeah, you're completing tasks and to... And you have to complete a certain amount of tasks to... To get the little stones. To get the stones yeah. over onto the quest card. See? Yeah. Not a professional podcaster. Yes. In any case, we played the very we played the first base game of this, um, and we whipped through it fairly quickly. And we, we kind of sat and oh, there's not much to that. But then you whipped out. Steady on. What should we go now? What should we go? Your next words. Choose them very carefully. The monsters. Not great. No, the advanced monsters. <laughs> yeah, still not hundred percent great. That hadn't been included in the first initial game because it was obviously the. The training game. Which I which I knew because I read the rules and, and I completely then, forgot about. And I'm like and I was there saying, you know what, there's not enough to this game. There's not there's just not enough. I think this will be more for James's what I, I can't see us playing this much to one of Tilly. And then it was while we were putting it away, I was like, Oh hang on, hang on. I forgot. Have a look at the back of the board. So we turned over the back of the board and yeah. Yeah. Second time we played it we didn't get on so well. No. We didn't whip that through we, at all, we did didn't, we? We didn't, we didn't destroy that without hardly losing anything at all. <laughs> we lost no, our we, marbles and all sorts. We, yeah, so... It was embarrassing. Definitely more to the game than we... We, well, <laughs> we initially what, but thought... I knew, but I knew this. I just, Why did you not... I, I have a brain fart. I don't know what happened. I just... I just, yeah, something something went blank. I, bang, I must have banged my head in Bless between. Bless your heart. And, yeah, there is a lot more to it. But on the plus side, the base game, like the very basic game, is definitely something James could play. Yeah. So we've got we've got two we've got games, two games in one. Price of one, and this was this was one of my want to get in Essen, but it was only out in German in Essen, and it I is language dependent. Catching up with with Matthew over there, and he said he's coming out in English. Uh, he just got to wait until next year, and lo and behold, true to his word, God bless him, it did come out in English, and I grabbed the first copy I spied, <laughs> <laughs> and well done, that man. Well done, that man, because there was hardly any copies by the end, was there? No, I couldn't no. see many at all. No. And I enjoyed it. I did enjoy it. I would definitely... I like a dice chucker. I like a... a Which is surprising, considering dice. how bad you are at dice. Yeah. But what I do like about it is how you have to sort of commit dice and choose which dice you commit to to various things and you've got to be very careful that you don't run out of and run out of, but run out of dice yourself yeah especially in the two player game because you get to use the the neutral color as well don't mm. you everyone's got a sort of their color and a yeah. neutral color and you've got to be very careful that you don't because waste those yeah and also because say um, i'm playing green and blue and blue is my neutral color and then uh Sean finishes the task off, which has got, say, you know, one of my green and two blue in, he will then get the two blue and I will only get the green back. So there needs to also be a communication between the players. Well, okay, you need to finish that task because you're now down to like four dice. So I, I liked that aspect. Ooh. I thought that that's, I thought that lent something interesting well, that's where the to a two-player yeah, variation. That's where, the, yeah, that's where the co-op really came in for us was working out like, if I finish this, you're going to be left with no dice next round. So I'm going to leave it, or I'm going to try to leave it, because you have to assign dice mm-hmm. if you roll them and that's the only one you've got left. And there's only one space on the board that you have to assign it. So, yeah, interesting. And each area has, takes different sort of sequences of dice mm-hmm. and different ways to unlock it. But, yeah, I liked it. That was Roll for Adventure. 
Up next. Well, we're back to Pegasus Spiel. And this, is, and this is Castle Rampage from Matthias Kramer, the famous Matthias Kramer. And Castle Rampage is a very simple two-player card game where you are defending your castle and your gate against attackers. And each player will have cards that will attack each other's castle and do various things. Sometimes on the cards, they change it up a little bit and they're able to plant cards in people's defences and their defences are stacks of cards. So you have two choices when you go. You can place a card onto one of the stacks. Um, to, there's always a, a gate defence and, and a castle defence on each card and there's also attack values and different text that changes those attack values on each card so you're looking to place the higher defense values for your gate on your gate pile which is below your sort of player aid card and you're looking to place the ones with the higher value for your castle above which your player aid card that's where your castle defense is and first player to get rid of both castle and gate from the other player wins the game it was very very light yeah it wasn't much to learn about the game i found although i had a little bit of fun playing it because it was silly i felt that it was completely random depending completely on the cards you drew and completely on the chains that you were able to put together and sometimes someone just wouldn't be able to defend and the game could be over in five minutes or it could last if you just got the wrong set of cards it could last half an hour which is way too long for it yeah i agree wholeheartedly and <laughs> it's not something that i would to play again yeah if you can guarantee it you just always would finish in five minutes then you wouldn't mind just like while another game was setting up having a quick two-player game with this and saying okay we're going to join that game when they finish in five minutes that's a quick game of castle rampage but you wouldn't put any stock in the result of it. You wouldn't put any stock in, in what happens because it's just completely random card mm. drafting. Well, not even card drafting, card drawing off the top deck. So top decking, as they say. Mm. So, yeah, not my favourite of the games we played for sure. Agreed. And I think we should move on to another awful game. <gasps> oh, oh, You take that. Back. I will take that back. It's not. It's awful not an game. awful game. This is Cat Cafe, and this is. I'm. I'm just going to be upfront with you because I'm no good. I'm no good at hiding my my feelings. Cat Cafe by Alley Cat Games, designed by Lee Juhua, is just a fantastic game. I'm sorry, it's a roll and write, and you have a pad and you have a pencil and you have some dice and you roll your dice and you're selecting things to um, put into your cat cafe. And you're, you know, you're you're chaining mice together to score the points, or you're getting the food bowls to score points around the food bowls, or cushions. You you score points on how far up the tree they are. I mean, it's just it, it's just a fantastic little filler game. And of course, you do have the moral victory if you name your cat cafe. If you are boring and refuse to name your cat cafe, you will never win a game. So I didn't even think that was your biggest gripe. It's the fact that I don't draw the symbols. I'm just ignoring it. He doesn't draw the symbols, people. You're supposed to draw the symbols. No, you you're have not. A little, no, you have a choice. no. You I don't care. I don't care. He was being sweet to you. Lee Juhua was being sweet to you, and he shouldn't have been. He should have said no. 
You draw the symbols. But if I, if no, I draw I'm not it, finished. It'll be a mess. I don't care. You can draw your birdhouse. You can draw your ball of yarn. You can draw your butterfly. You can draw your food bowl. You can draw your cushion, or you can draw your mouse. It's not that difficult. I don't want to. I want to be able to see what I score at the end of the game. Therefore, he loses morally every single time. And he doesn't even name his cat cafe. I have won more times than I've lost in this game because I don't mess around. I don't mess around. (laughs) Fantastic game. I love it so much. So I've said on our Twitter feed that this has been my surprise game at the Expo. I have not changed my mind. Ronan, I don't know if Ronan has actually played it yet. I've left our copy in London for him. And yeah, I don't know if he's going to like it or not. I don't care. If he doesn't like it, he's wrong. If he likes it, welcome to the fold. It is a roll and write, which I'm not particularly enamoured with roll and write, so I've never really seen the point until now. But this one is a very clever one. It's very clever because of, A, the dice drafting. So you roll one more dice than there are players, and each person in player order will choose one of those dice. And then the one in in between is a communal one. So you've got your columns and you're going to use four. So a four might be... Food bowl. Is, four is the food bowl. You should and do that. a six is the mouse. So you can either place a food bowl in the level six spot or the mouse in the level four spot. And you can also pass and take the cat spores, which are basically... Uh, a ways to ma- uh, manipulate your dice. They're plus one or minus one to each dice for every cat ball you use. So, yeah. Uh, but the one you leave in the middle is always crucial because you don't want to leave the one in the middle. So if if I've taken a cushion, the cushion needs to go as high up by those columns as possible. If I've taken a cushion and I'm the first player, you don't want to leave that six because I will place my cushion on that six spot and I will score six points for that cushion. You you want to leave me with a one if you can and then that makes me place a house, which is boring because houses score for... They score other things, but you also have to have a house on the column to be able to score the column itself when you fill the column. I'm getting too much into the rules. You are. But the, that's the, the cleverness of the dice. And then obviously you are looking at what path you want to go down. There are lots of paths to follow. Uh, whether you want to chain loads of mice together to get loads of points that way, you can get up to 20 points for each chain of mice. Whether you want to get your cushions as high up there as possible. Whether you want to finish the columns quicker than everybody else. Or whether you want to give your beloved other half a four and four to choose from. We, we do like the four and four. Have a food bowl in a four. Or you can have a food bowl in a four. Food bowls don't score particularly. Yeah, we found that food bowls aren't great. I suppose if you had loads of them all chaining Or a one and a four was always... One and a four was funny, especially right at the beginning when you don't want to place the house. You don't want to place the house. You don't want to place the house at the beginning because you score for the multiples of everything else you've placed. So if I've placed four cushions, I score eight points. If I place a house and I choose cushion as the scoring, but if I've just got one of everything or nothing of everything, it's pointless. Quite literally. Quite literally. No, they score for themselves. They can do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it'd be two points minimum. In any case, I really enjoy the game. I'm, yes, I'm, and I'm I wondered why we hadn't. I wondered why we hadn't played it again, and it's because you've lent it to Rome. I have, but I so you get, get it, it back. I will get it back. I will snatch it from his. Dirty little claws. 
and bring it back to you. But uh, yes, a very, it's very fantastic. good game. I uh, played with Matthew again, who came around to play some of the UKG games with us. And, and as per usually, absolutely. I won the I won Cat Cafe. Did you win Cat Cafe? I won Cat Cafe against did Matthew. You? Yes, oh, I was Because normally he wallops us. He does normally wallop us. Well, you, you beat him in Bosk. I love to bit of Bosk because I did beat him. So he, he hasn't done that well. He, he beat us in Wingspan. And we've all decided that that was just pure luck. <laughs> well, Matthew didn't, but... Well, I we did, did. <laughs> especially because I was a point below. But yes, he liked it as well. And that brings us to the end of the games that we played at the and UK Games Expo. And your listeners heave a sigh of relief, like, oh my God, it's over. Yeah, sorry about Cat Cafe. I get, when, I, when I get excited about a game, I tend to start listing off all the things, and I do it very quickly, and it doesn't particularly make any sense. So apologies for that, but I did like it. It's good. See, I think your listeners are going to pick it up now thinking it's a 4X or something. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's not Twilight Struggle, people. <laughs> I may have sounded like Twilight Struggle when I start talking about it, but it's not. So, yeah, Natalie, thank you very much. Thank you once again for, for inviting me into the pit. Yes, and I didn't bother cleaning it for you this time. I hope it That's wasn't fine. too fetid. That's fine. I have no sense of smell. We're all good. Well, we talked about this. That's why, you, that's why we're married. <laughs> and... Yeah, thank you to everybody for listening. Roland, hope the back's getting better soon. Hopefully, Roland will be back with myself. We'll back, both back. be back, back. Uh, we'll both be fit at the same time to record. So that'll be a novelty of recent months. And yeah, thank you all for listening. And as always, we are proud members of the Dice Tower Network. Go there and to the Dice Tower itself for gaming goodness galore. If you wish to download our episodes, we're on. Podbean, Spotify, iTunes, and Stitcher. And we are also on social media. We have an Instagram account, we have a Facebook page, and we're on Twitter at GamePit Podcast. Best ways to get hold of us is by email at thegamepitpodcast at gmail.com, or even better, go to BoardGameGeek and find our guild there and just fire a question across and as i mentioned at the top we do have our youtube channel go there for pit stops which are brief introductions to games to see if you like them and of course convention coverage and we'll catch you next time